Morning again. All right. So today is our last Sunday of Advent, and um, we've talked about hope, peace, joy, and today our focus is on love. And because we have Christ dwelling in us, we don't have a heart that's two sizes too small, grinchy heart. We have an overflowing heart. I told Bree that I'd use the Grinch somewhere in my love sermon. I didn't have anywhere else to put it. So here we are right at the beginning. This is the last time we hear about the Grinch today. But uh, we are going to go into our Bible Project video today about love, and then we'll go on with the sermon. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. 
Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Okay. I like that infinity picture of loving God and loving one another. They're intertwined and we can't do one without the other. If we love God, then we'll love one another. And if we love one another, it's because we love God. So remember that Advent means arrival. During this time of Advent, we look back at the first arrival of our Savior and the anticipation for that first Advent. And we also look forward and anticipate the second advent of our Savior. So let's look way back, and then we'll move our way forward. God created the world and everything in it, and it was all good, perfect. God walked on earth with Adam and Eve. God was with them. He loved them. They were his children. They lived in his presence. Then the deceiver came, and Adam and Eve chose to trust him instead of God, their loving father. They gave their authority to rule the earth to the deceiver. Humanity was separated from God. Because of the sin in the world, God could no longer walk on earth with people. They could no longer dwell in his presence. The people followed many different gods and powers, but Yahweh wanted a people for his own, a people that would be his children, that he could pour his great love out on, that he could be with. And through these children... Uh, the world would know who he was because of how they lived and his presence moving among them. And through these children, his redeemer champion for the whole world would come. He chose Abraham and Sarah to start this people of his own, a nation set apart for him. His presence dwelled among them in the tabernacle and then in the temple. The Old Testament is full of the ups and downs of Abraham and Sarah's descendants, the Israelites. And through all of their ups and downs, Yahweh is faithful to his promise to Abraham and David and the prophets. Even when he has to discipline the people, he gives them hope for the future, for the Redeemer, Yahweh's mighty right arm that will deliver his people and even deliver those outside the Israelite nation. The prophet Isaiah declared, therefore, the Lord himself will 
will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. God with us. God would once again be with his people on earth. God would once again walk on the earth he created with the people he loves. So Yahweh sent Jesus to earth, his son, born to Mary, who was a virgin, a humble, miraculous beginning for the king. God on earth, God with us, love with us. Jesus' whole life on earth was showing us what love is. He demonstrated it in everything he did. And he gave us this command, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 39. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he loved us so much that he laid his life down so that we would have life. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16. He died a torturous death and took the sin of each one of us on himself. Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took back authority from the deceiver, and he overturned death. He rose to life and gave us life forever with him. When we follow him and proclaim that he is the ruler over our life, that we are one with him. Everything that is in him is in us. We are one with him. His spirit dwells in us all the time. I don't think that we understand this enough. And I'm sure it's a lifetime of learning, but we need to keep this truth before us and let it shape all that we are and all that we do. Jesus went to be with the Father so that Holy Spirit could dwell within us, his presence within us. We are the new temple. While Jesus is away, he's preparing for us to be physically with him again. He is our bridegroom. He loves the church, his bride, so much. As his bride, we wait for him to return, and I'm sure he can't wait to be with us again, too. We stay vigilant. We keep our lanterns lit. We follow his commands to love, and we wait with great expectation for him to return. Think of a time when you were waiting for something with great expectation. Christmas morning, waiting for a new movie or video game to come out, a vacation, gathering with friends and family. Let's start at that level of expectation and raise it up as we wait for Jesus. Let's get excited for him to return. But when he returns, will he have found his bride to be faithful to him? Was she vigilant and preparing for his return? Or was she chasing after other lovers while he was away? Did she think, oh, everyone's been saying that he'll return for a long time. I'm getting tired of waiting. I've got time to do what I want. I've got needs. Has he forgotten about me? Does he still love me? Does he remember me? Will he ever come? I've forgotten what I need to do while I wait for him. Or maybe no one has ever taught me what to do while I wait. Jesus gave his Holy Spirit, his presence, as a deposit while he's gone. Holy Spirit is like an, a dowry or an engagement ring. Holy Spirit is his promise of love, the promise that he will return to his bride. I think that we can forget that his presence dwells within us. Though we don't see him with our eyes, we are still one with him. 
listening to his voice, resting in his presence, and walking in his love. By walking in his love, the world will know who he is. Yahweh is still showing the world who he is through the lives of people so that they can be redeemed and brought into his great love as well. This is what we do while we're waiting for Jesus to return. We love. John 13, 34 to 35. I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Love is what shows the world that we belong to him. Sorry, I lost my place. Yes. Um, Oh, that last part was not part of the verse, just so you know. It's part of my notes, and I copied it and put it in there. I was like, wait a minute, I don't think it's part of the verse. But it's true. Love is what shows the world that we belong to him. Our lives should point others to him. And I think that John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4 encapsulates God's love and what we're supposed to do uh, with that love very well. It's a long section, verse 7 to 21, so hang in there with me. The rest is a lot of verses, guys. Dear friends, so think of this as like a letter to you. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So we're born again. We're born of God. We have his love within us. We know love. People that don't know love, it's because they don't have God God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. So people will see God in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. We are are as God is. There is no fear in love. Instead, Perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God, must also love his brother and sister. 
So we might say, well, I'm good. I love all my brothers and sisters here. That's a great place to start. But we need to love our brothers and sisters outside these walls as well. We need to love our brothers and sisters that are part of other denominations. We need to love our brothers and sisters that vote for different political parties than we do. We need to love our brothers and sisters when we disagree on biblical interpretations. We need to love our brothers and sisters that are different than us, our brothers and sisters that are around the world, that are of different cultures and ethnicities, both far away and right here in the U.S. Oh, yes, I love, I don't have hatred toward any of those. Then walk it out. How are we caring for one another? How are we laying down our lives for one another, serving one another? Love does not come without sacrifice. And let's not forget our enemies. Matthew 5, 43 to 47. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Who do you consider your enemies? Your neighbor who's acting unjustly towards you? That person who knows how to push your buttons or deliberately bullies you? The one who's caused you harm? That other political party, political or social justice activists? The police, the government, China, Russia, Mexico, that person that goes against what you believe, the one who says mean things to you or about you, who gets your blood boiling? Do we pray for them or do we complain about them and curse them? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This is serious stuff. This isn't optional. This is how we're children of our Father in heaven. This is how the world will know who Jesus is and that we are his followers by our love. By our love for one another and by our love for our enemies, this is how we are different from the world. We have the Holy Spirit who is love dwelling within us. So why do so many that say they follow Jesus not look like love? 1 John 3, 10 to 18. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. I feel like there's a lot of surprise around in the church that the world hates us. We shouldn't be surprised. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. John's saying, if we don't love, we're like Cain. This is how we have come to know love. We laid, love, we laid down his life for us. We should also, sorry, he laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods 
and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. God's children and the devil's children. I didn't say it. The Apostle John said it. It's a, it's a pretty firm word. There is separation from those of us that follow Jesus and those that don't. And I don't think we think about that much, and I've been thinking about it lately. And it's hard because we're like, well, they're a nice person. They're kind. They're helpful to others. They volunteer. They help the poor. And um, he seems like a nice guy. But if they don't have Jesus, they don't have God, his spirit dwelling within them, there's a separation. There's a difference. And we need to walk in love so that they know God's love and they can uh, be redeemed as well and be under his love. So the difference is becoming more and more evident in the world. We should be different because we have the source of love dwelling within us. And because of that, we show his love to all people. Ask the Lord what this looks like for you in your life. How are you showing or not showing love? Who do you need to pray for? How do you walk in love? How do you show compassion and mercy? Are the fruits of the Spirit flowing out of you? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't matter, excuse me, yes, it doesn't matter what we do for the Lord or what our giftings are. If we don't have love, we are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, a, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Does what flows out of us look like this? Assess. Ask Holy Spirit. Let's spend time with God and also read the scriptures daily, reminding ourselves of what love looks like. We all want to see Holy Spirit move again in here in a tangible way. We want to move in these gifts, but it means nothing if we don't have love. Giving means nothing if we don't have love. We really need to focus on love. And let's remember who our real enemy is. Ephesians six twelve. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is our real enemy. Let's not forget that. It's not the people around us. This is our enemy. The deceiver still wants to separate the people of the world from the love of God and his presence. But for those of us who are in Christ... Who can separate us from the love of Christ? 
in affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. God loves us so much. We are his children, and he sent his child, his son, to save us. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. You might be thinking, wow, Tabitha, this is really heavy. It's Christmas time. Baby Jesus, come on. But this baby came to turn the systems of the world on its head. Not the governmental systems, the spiritual systems, the heart systems. This baby came to lift up the brokenhearted, the downtrodden, the outcast, to be a servant to all, and to bring healing and draw us to himself, to redeem us, to dwell with us, to love with us. That's what this baby did. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Sorry, I lost my place. Oh, because I don't have the other one. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Unity, one body, Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Let's love him, love one another, and love our enemy. Praise God for his great love. So, that's the end of my sermon. But I want to tell you, I have... So when I put a sermon together, especially something that's kind of more topical like this on love. I go through and I gather like a bunch of verses and I dwell on those verses. And so um, today I made a copy. So these are like, I have six sheets, I think, of verses on love. And I kind of put them a little bit in categories of God's love for us, our love for God, love for one another, love for our enemies and spirit. And, you know, obviously some of them overlap, but I kind of tried to divvy them out. I made some copies on sheets, and they're on the little um, table tray back here by the booth. If we, I just made 10 copies, so I didn't know how many would take them. But if they run out and you didn't get a copy, please let me know, and I'll make you another copy quick today. But I just wanted to give those to you because, obviously, I was really verse-heavy today, and sometimes I can be that way because there's so many verses that are... Um, relevant to what we're talking about. And so it's really hard sometimes to narrow it down to just those one certain verses. And there's way more verses than what I even use. And even then, all the verses aren't on these pages. But if you'd like to take one of those packets to just be able to dwell on God's love and our response and love to him and to the others around us, 
um, please take one of those, and I hope it's helpful for you. So I'm going to pray, but after I pray, if you, I'd love to pray with you. If you struggle with love, if you struggle with giving or receiving love, I'd be happy to pray with you um, for that. If you don't know Jesus or God and his love, I'd be happy to talk with you or pray with you as well. So just keep that in mind after we pray, and uh, otherwise you'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your love. The world tries to define love in a way that isn't your way of love, Lord. Please help us to just fix our eyes on you, to dwell in your scriptures, so that we will see truly what your love is. Your love cuts through the noise of the world. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Guide us, teach us, show us where we are not walking in love, where we aren't walking in your fruits of the Spirit, where there's areas stopped up within us that certain parts of your love is not flowing out of us. Show us, Lord. Reveal to us. Reveal roots of that to us so that they can be pulled out, so that your love flows freely from us in a whole way. We thank you that you're faithful and you're faithful and patient with us as we learn to walk in your love. Bring healing to those areas within us, Lord, that are, have been hurt by people that said they loved, but it was a twisted kind of love. Bring healing to that in all of us, Lord. And your freedom just bubble up and flow out of us, Lord. Just this overflow that we would just feel your love and just like an overload overwhelming way and that overflow of the love that we know from you would flow out to the others around us show us how to show love and compassion and we love you we thank you for your goodness in jesus name amen